0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and Joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, I am fresh off of watching the World Draft coverage, as well as listening to multiple podcasts about the standard portion of worlds. I am locked and loaded to talk worlds with you. Wow, the standard portion of worlds? I mean, I had some drives yesterday during the marching Man, and I wanted to talk magic.
1: So listen to some standard podcasts wow look at you go just consuming that content yeah i am also quite ready to talk about these drafts at worlds i feel like i know the the details of these packs intimately as i typed out every single card seen (laughs) by our two two drafters over the past couple days yeah you are a
0: monster so you put these into magic pro tools which is the viewer that lets you just click through them like they're draft logs
1: which is awesome for anybody that's listening to this podcast so thank you for that yeah, and we'll put these in the show notes where you download the podcast so you can play along at home if you want to, you know, pause the podcast here and say like, oh, I'm going to pop, pop open these draft logs and see what I would have done in PV or Seth's seat. Just way easier to look through than us having to like, I don't know, screenshot all the, the packs or whatever. I don't know what the solution is for us to talk through these drafts, but that's what we're going to do here today. We're going to look at PVDDRs draft and Seth Manfield's draft. Very, very exciting to have some high level draft content. I can't even remember the last time that we had like high stakes limited play, really, other than like the arena opens over the past couple of years. Yeah, this is going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so just a little bit of housekeeping stuff to take care of before we dive into that. First things first is the Patreon page, patreon.com slash lords of limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. Um, It's kind of crazy. We just feel like we just came off of a new set season and we're going to enter a new set season in just a few weeks. (laughs) So we always say the discord, which is what you get access to when you give back via the Patreon, the discord is the place to be for a new set. And we do have the second Innistrad set just coming up in a few weeks, maybe mid-November, I think. Um, So if you want to get in on the Discord, if you've been thinking about it, if you feel like you get something out of the show and you want to give back, head on over to the Patreon and uh, see what might work for you in terms of the reward tiers. And of course, we want to welcome each and every one of our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week we are welcoming Gabriel, Glenn, Stan, Drago, Fallantir, Stephen, and Sebastian. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support.
0: Yeah. Cannot say thank you enough. And I will say this has been one of those weeks when I've been super busy with work and marching man and that sort of thing. And checking in on the Discord keeps me in touch with magic. So if you're somebody that's busy working a full-time job, check it out. Discord
1: really does keep you in touch with what's going on in the format. And if you're a degenerate full-time content creator magic player, the Discord is also a great place. So it really just works for everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Show is also brought to you in part by Channel Fireball, channelfireball.com. Best place to go for anything you need magic-related. They just launched the CFB Marketplace. I'm sure you're hearing about it from all your Magic podcasts, but we want to keep shouting it out. So CFB Madness is going on right now to promote the CFB Marketplace. So starting last week on October 4th, they started giving away tens of thousands worth of product across all games. Magic, Flesh and Blood, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, you name it, they've got it. There's a bunch of different ways to get into the giveaways. All you have to do is spend $10 on the Marketplace, and that will grant you an entry. And they're doing these giveaways, and then there's huge giveaways at the end of the month, including a Black Lotus, which is pretty awesome. Also, don't forget Channel Fireball is hosting MTG Las Vegas on November 19th through 21st. So if you've been jonesing for that big magic event and you feel like it's safe for you to go, you can check anything out that you need to know about that at the website www.mtglasvegas.com. There's going to be Sealed Crimson Vow that weekend. It's going to be release weekend, so it should be sweet. Yeah, for sure. And then anything you need at Channel Fireball, please use code LOL, all caps, when you check out there, whether it's at the marketplace or just buying some sealed
1: product from CFB. Use code LOL all caps to let them know that we sent you over there. All right, let's let's dive in here. So we've got two featured drafters from two separate pods here. Sixteen players at the World Championship this year. Um, so for the first featured drafter we had was Paulo Vitor Damadorosa, and we're just going to dive right into his draft. And I think we're going to go through the whole thing, Ben. We've got I think we have time to do all of his and all of Seth's, and we'll do a little check in in between. Um, and I think because we are diving in, we may not be reading like all of the text of the cards here, um, just because we got a lot, lot to go through. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna plop you down uh, in the seat for the round table here. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's do it. Okay. So you sit down at the World Championship Draft, Ben, on day one, and you see the following cards as options: the Commons in consideration. There's an Eaten Alive. There's a Falcon Abomination, and I'd say that's it. Between those two, and then at the uncommon level, we've got right off the heels of our seizing red episode, Ben. We've got to seize the storm. That's the four in a red sorcery. Create a red elemental creature token with trample, and this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of instants and sorceries cards in your graveyard, and the number of cards with flashback you own in exile. And it has flashback for six in a red. There's Borrowed Time, that's the tuna white oblivion ring effect. Enchantment enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent opponent controls until Borrowed Time leaves the battlefield. And your rare is whatever, it's can't stay away, white black sorcery, return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains if this creature would die, exile it instead, and it has flashback for three white black.
0: Yeah, if I'm looking at this pack... I mean, on Arena, you better believe I'm slamming Seize the Storm because I just (laughs) want to draft that deck. But World Championships is a little bit different. I doubt I would have the gumption necessary to make that pick. And so I think I would be deciding between Borrowed Time and Eaten Alive. Really, you can't go wrong with any of those three cards. I think those three are enough better than Falcon A-Bomb that that's out of consideration. And then if you take Eaten Alive, you're planning your flag in black, and maybe you're assuming you're going to have to fight over black. And Borrowed Time might be a concession to, I think, just a better card than Eaten Alive, and you don't necessarily have to fight over black. So I think if I were in PB Seat, I ultimately would land on Borrowed Time. As the better removal spell and something that's not black so that i don't have to fight over black with my neighbors
1: i was watching this live on stream doing a little like top coverage uh mini coverage stream for myself on friday and you know i i don't think it's that crazy to take seize the storm here and i i probably would have um i mean i mean obviously i don't know potentially like high stakes whatever but you know i was thinking about and i think this is probably a good time to talk about this like zooming out a little bit and thinking about what are your strategies or thoughts going into this kind of high level draft environment? And I think it's going to be similar to what I thought was going to happen in the team draft, right? Like you're just sitting at a table of very competent players. Now it's less, you know, different dynamics than a team draft for sure. But I definitely expect blue and black to be contested highly. And so like, you know, you really want to think about when you're taking a card like Eaten Alive or, you know, taking a card like Falcon Abomination, what that means. And I think the flip is that probably people are, are going to be less excited to draft red. You know, you don't, I don't know how many reps people are putting in, you know, probably have a varied amount, you know, uh, Matt Sperling said that he did some coaching with Sam Black. So, you know, you have some, some folks who are like really diving in to the, the limited portion and really want to get those three wins. And then maybe some other folks who did a little bit like more fast and looser didn't play that much and so i imagine that for a lot of people they're gonna have been told or experienced hey red isn't that good um and so i think you might be able to hedge a little bit with seize the storm but maybe that's not good well i think it's good
0: i just don't know that i would be able to make myself do that in a high level draft because Mm -hmm. it's got a high fail rate also and you definitely don't want to fight over it right like if you first pick seize the storm you're kind of doing the thing and it does influence your picks the rest of the draft
1: yeah my feeling was at the time when i was watching this on stream was that seize the storm as we talked about last week is the most important piece at non-rare for the red decks and borrowed time is kind of whatever in white decks like obviously it's good removal but the white decks are so like creature heavy aggro decks i think most of the time that yeah you you want to borrow time but also like Whatever, a candle trap can do the thing you want. A combat trick can do the thing you want.
0: That's true. I mean, uh, everything you're saying makes sense to me. I would love (laughs) picking Caesar Storm here.
1: I'm just telling you, I don't know if I could do it. (laughs) All right. All right. All right. Um, I'm not trying to. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can we can uh, move on to the next pick. So I, I I agree. I think you can't go wrong with any of those three. Would have loved to see Paulo take the Seas the Storm, but he grabs borrowed time here, which is absolutely defensible. All right. So pack one, pick two. You really only see one common, I'd say, in contention, which is Revenge of the Drowned. And then at the uncommon level, you've got to play with fire, the single red deal, too. And Hound Tamer here, which is two and a green for the three, three uh, with trample. It has three and a green, put a plus and plus one counter on target creature. That's the day bound side. The night bound side is a four, four with the same ability and also gives other wolves and werewolves trample.
0: Yeah. And also worth noting, there's a common missing out of this pack. So right. if someone took a common over Revenge of the Drowned
1: and Hound Tamer. And so you can probably by process of elimination because, and I, I only know this because I saw this on Twitter. Um, so there's always in every pack, there's a common double-faced card and then an uncommon rare or mythic double-faced card here. And there isn't one at common. And so, you know, what are the likely ones to be taken here? Either Ecstatic Awakener or Lunarch Veteran um, are the likely cards to be taken. I would say probably even more likely is just Awakener period. So you can kind of peg that for like what's happening to your right if you're paulo and you're aware of that yeah that would be super huge info if you can actually peg that it's ecstatic awakener and you know your neighbors in black that's huge i mean also what if this were just man paper drafts if this were paper drafts people would just be like slamming those double face cards and being like i'm in black get out of my lane you know i remember those days but yeah paulo uh, lands on the hound tamer here this is just Far and away the best card. And sure, green is weaker than blue, but I think it's it's too much of a power level gap between revenge and Hound Tamer to take revenge here. So he lands on the Hound Tamer. Pack one, pick three. Um, a fairly weak pack. I'd say the best common in consideration is Flip the Switch. And then at the uncommon level, all three are still here. None of them really exciting. Probably the best of the bunch is Vampire Socialite. That's the Black Red two Menace. Got a bunch of texts for putting counters on vampires or itself. If your opponent has lost life this turn, um, but no really good follow ups to his borrowed time or hound tamer, right? Like the best follow up there would be Cathar Commando, the flash three one.
0: Yeah, there's nothing great. So I think you're moving off of a green or a white card here. If you're Palo. the two cards that jump out to me are the social light and flip the switch social light. I think being the best card in the pack and somehow flip the switch being the card that goes the best with our first two picks, despite not matching up with the colors. So I think I would
1: land on flip the switch here just to stay open and feel my options out. Yeah, and Paulo agrees. So we've got white card, green card, blue card. Pack one, pick four. See the following cards as options. There is an Ecstatic Awakener here in the pack at common, and that's definitely the best option, I think. Um, there's also a Defend the Celestis uh, in the uncommon slot. The two GG, distribute three plus, plus one counters among one, two, or three target creatures you control. And I guess also a Mystic Skull if you really wanted to, like, keep his options open and splash. But it feels a little early for a card like that. Yeah, I think Ecstatic Awakener is just far and away the best card in the pack.
0: And I think you slam dunk, take it here. And I think Paolo does snap that up. So if you're Paolo right now, you've got white card, green card, blue card, black card, not really how you want to start your draft <laughs> at the World Championship. But I think it's right from his his perspective.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I really love it. I mean, obviously, I, I wish he had taken Seize the Storm both for like my own like personal interest. But you can't fault him for taking borrowed time here. And I think every other pick I hundred percent agree with and it's awesome to see someone bobbing and weaving like this and just saying hey i'm just feeling things out and i want to take the best card out of each pack pack one pick five some things start to solidify for him um some really good white commons here actually some really good white black and red cards here he's got a lunark veteran a moon rager slash a search party captain a siege zombie and those are all at common also an evolving wilds and then an uncommon another play with fire and a flesh taker. White black for the 2-2. Whenever you sack another creature, you gain a life and scry one. And you can pay one to sack another creature. Flesh taker gets plus two, plus two until end of turn.
0: Yeah, I think this is a super interesting pick, especially if you think that your neighbor took ecstatic awakener, pack one, pick one, and you think they're in black. Like if you deduce that, if you're Palo, that adds a lot of layers to this pick. So mm-hmm. the obvious pick I think is Flesh Taker as the the best card in the pack and you already have your borrowed time. You just picked up an Ecstatic Awakener. Flesh Ticker goes along with that and that it wants you to have cards to sacrifice. So that gives you a nice little plan and pushes you towards White Black, which is a very good deck in the format. There's also some part of me seeing Moon Rager Slash and Play With Fire here and knowing that we opened Seize the Storm, where you could seriously consider, I think, taking Moon Rager Slash and planning on wheeling that Seize the Storm because this very much makes it look like no one is drafting red to your right for four picks. You know, so it's not inconceivable if people, you know, the same feeling I felt. Maybe they're thinking, like, I don't want to take that seize the storm and ride my draft on this. And if you
1: take slash here and you wheel seize the storm, you're feeling great, right? Yeah, for sure, but it's vi- it's very risky, especially with not only Flesh Taker, but three good white and black commons in the pack here. Pick five in veteran, search party captain, and siege zombie. Like it's tough to pass up on that signal, and that signal feels a little bit more reliable, especially given you know if he takes a red card here, he literally has Wooburg in terms of his first five picks, whereas taking Flesh Taker sort of starts to solidify him a little bit. For sure. But
0: Slash also then does, you're already open and Slash keeps you more open. I think I would land on the Flush Taker Ultimate, but I think it's an interesting pick. And can you imagine if you started with Seize the Storm? You get to go Seize into Play with Fire, into probably Flip the Switch, into a pick that's not very exciting, but then
1: you get this Slash here and you're feeling great. Right. You get the Slash with the Play with Fire as well, and you are feeling pretty darn good. Yeah, I, you can't, I, it's tough. And, you know, there's also, if this is just such a hard pick in terms of, take the flesh taker and then wheel sees the storm and you're like oh no i made the wrong choice or take moon rager slash and then sees doesn't wheel and you go oh no i made the wrong choice right and flesh taker is pretty committing here in that Mm -hmm. you're
0: giving up a pick if white black doesn't work out for you when there were very other good cards in the pack
1: yeah it's a tough pick for sure paula does ultimately land on flesh taker pack one pick six It's a a pretty weak pack. Um, He's got uh, options with Crawl from the Cellar, Blessed Defiance, which can we just talk like Blessed Defiance severely underrated by the drafters at at Worlds. Like, I don't think they understand that this is Bone Splinters. (laughs) It's a good card. I don't know if it's quite on the level of Bone Splinters, but it's definitely very playable. In blue-white, I think Blessed Defiance is Bone Splinters. I did a a coaching session a few days ago, and we ended the draft and had, I think, literal no removal. And I was like, no, we're fine. We have three Bones splinters. We're good. We'll be fine. (laughs) And and the deck did trophy. Um, And then at rare, this card has really impressed me. Uh, Storm the Festival 3 triple green. Sorcery, look at the top five cards of your library. You may put up to two permanent cards with mana value five or less from among them onto the battlefield. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And it has flashback for a hefty cost of seven triple green. Okay, so here's the real question. If this card has impressed you, have you flashed it back in this format? I haven't cast it myself, but I have seen it cast many times and every time. Because my initial take on this card, I was like, eh, clunky, too much variance, whatever. And every time it's been cast against me, I'm like, okay, first of all, the initial impact is pretty you know, significant. And then it's just sitting there looming in the graveyard, like waiting. (laughs) I'm just like, if my opponent, because like it makes all of their draws good, right? Like they draw action, fine. They draw lands. They're getting closer to flashing this back. Like it's a, it's a powerful card, I think. All right, cool. But what do you take here? If you're Paulo, you know, there's not really good options, period, right? I mean, you guys, I guess you could take storm the festival and keep the hound tamer dream alive. But I think you probably want to take a black or a white card off the heels of flesh taker.
0: Yeah, I think if you're Palo here, you're deciding between either a reanimate effect or Blessed Defiance as a combat trick. And I have found black decks really want one crawl from the seller, especially if you get cards like Diagraph Horde, you know, rebuying a Diagraph Horde one, two times is often enough to win games on its own. So I really like locking up the first copy of Crawl from the seller here if you're Palo over the combat trick in Blessed Defiance.
1: I agree. And I think it also really works well in, in Black White specifically when you're sacrificing stuff he's already got an ecstatic awakener. And so, you know, whatever, the stuff goes to the bin or awakener is a nice cheap thing to bring back. I agree. I, I would say one to two copies of Crawl in in black decks have been nice. Like, you don't hate, hope to take it here, but whatever. What what else can you do? You, you also have to expect, I think at Worlds that whatever. First of all, you're drafting in pod. And so packs being weak are going to affect everybody the same. But also you just have to expect that like, people are going to be snapping up the good cards. So pack one pick six, seeing a texture of a pack like this, isn't that surprising? No. Pack one pick seven. Oh, boy. Starting to feel some regrets here, Ben. There's a Seize the Storm in this pack. Yeah, I saw this pack. And my first thought was,
0: please let Palo take the Seize the Storm. Please let Palo take the Seize the Storm. And he does take Seize the Storm, which is awesome. I love that pick, right? Because then he's hoping to maybe wheel the other Seize the Storm and then
1: he's in, right? Yeah. And he's again, he's not giving up on much. I'd say like the best card for white black is like jack-o'-lantern. There's a dress for the sideboard. Remember, this is best of three. There's Celestia Sanctifier, whatever, three mana, three twos or who cares? I-, I love that he takes this here. Yeah, I think it's a great pick by PV. And then after he takes this, I was just thinking, please, let's seize the storm wheel because I wanted to see it so badly. I know. And then so pack on pick eight, he gets neonates rush. And let's just I just want to rewind here again and talk about what could have been, which is seize the storm, play with fire, flip the switch, pick four, nothing, pick five slash pick six, whatever, pick seven, seize number two, pick eight neonates rush. What a run that is for a red spells deck. Yes, for sure. I mean, but I think given that PV didn't take the first seize the storm, he drafted very well. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like I said, I love it. And and, and this is a tough draft so far, right? Remember, he now has like, he has a card of every color. Um, and and would, I think, hope to be white-black, but is by no means settled. So, pack one pick eight, he takes an E and rush over again, nothing. And I, I think his card evaluation, for my money, is just spot on. Like, really recognizing that Unruly Mob is crap, and Ritual Guardian doesn't matter, and whatever. And he's, like, really trying to be like, well, maybe that sees the Storm is going to wheel. So, does it happen, Ben? Pack one pick nine? Wah, 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 wah. Wow, the full sad trombone. Yeah, no sees the Storm here. So, Paulo, I think knows that this can't happen right you know that you you don't want to be fighting over this kind of deck with someone else at the table yeah so he does take a bat whisperer out of the pack over
0: heirloom mirror which i do like and i think that's not necessarily obvious if you haven't been drafting the format a lot
1: and that's where you want to take it uh pack one pick 10 he now goes on a little bit of a red card run here with he takes a brimstone vandal Pick ten, a Lamholt Harrier. Pick eleven, snaps up the Mystic Skull for fixing on the wheel. Pick twelve, and then it's just you know two red cards. He's got perforator and abandoned the post. Pick thirteen, and then mounted Dread Knight pick 14. Um, yeah, I wish I kind of wish he would have taken blood packed pick 10. Not that that card matters. But like, I think once the seize the storm doesn't wheel pick nine, you have to know that red can't happen for you or pretty unlikely to happen. Yeah. Um. So we, we will also have some imager links here for like what things look like for him after pack one after pack two. And after pack one, it's really dicey. So if he thinks he's going black white, he's only got five cards, right? Crawl from the cellar, ecstatic awakener. Flesh taker, Borrowed Time, Bat Whisperer. And then he does have a whole mess of red cards. So like, I guess he could also end up being red, black. I don't know. Maybe the red dream isn't dead looking at this image. Yeah, I don't think the red dream is dead looking at this
0: image. I mean, he's deep into red. He got the one late seize the storm. There's a world where he goes red, black from here. I think he's got a lot of options open to him. To me, it was pretty clear that green was kind of flowing late at the end, but there weren't great green cards. Blue felt pretty cut, but I think the Mardu colors, anything's fair game in there.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's see how he chooses to progress here. Moving on to pack two, pick one in terms of Mardu options. At common, there's another neonates rush. There's a Lunark veteran at the uncommon slot. There's a Fangblade Brigand, a card that I seem to be the only person in the world who likes. That's a three and a red three, four, at one and a red. You can give a plus and plus so and gain first strike. That's the day bound side. On the night bound side, it's a 4-5 with that same ability, plus a five mana team pump for plus two plus oh. There's a clear shot, the green removal spell. Blade stitched scob, blue, black two, three, other zombies you control get plus one plus oh. And a champion of the perished at rare, black for the one, one zombie. Whenever another zombie enters the battlefield under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on champion of the perished. Yeah, this is a tough
0: pack if you're P V because what you really are hoping for is to open a card that is going to give you some direction because you don't really have a super clear direction yet yeah i don't love champion of the perished here i've not found that card to be great i mean it certainly can snowball on the right deck but pb currently has no zombies or really ways to make zombies he's got no decayed zombie token action going on now granted if you're black you're going to be hoping to pick that stuff up but this seems like a bit of a sketchy card to consider here to me i would be eyeing more lunark veteran or neonates rush potentially to lean into red spells but you don't want to pack one pick one that i think i would just take a lunark veteran it's
1: great sacrifice fodder and you have a couple cards already that want you to sacrifice things I don't hate just because the two colors he is deepest into are black and red. I don't hate taking a black or red card here. Like Lunark Veteran does feel like spreading yourself thin a little bit. You know, I'd be fine taking a white card if it were of just like a little bit higher power, but I I wouldn't fault you. I agree that the champion pick here sort of surprised me just because it does feel like it sort of restricts the future of his draft a little bit because he currently has no ways to make zombies. And you're going to want to have ways to make zombies so this isn't just a one mana one one pick
0: yeah very tough pick and i think
1: given the plethora of red cards you saw at the end of pack one you could also consider Fangblade blade brigandier yeah i think so too um so he elects to take the champion pack two pick two you want a direction ben here's some direction so at common there's a lunark veteran and a gaveny trapper for him if he wants to to go into white a little more and then an uncommon He's got a second flesh taker.
0: Yeah, I think if you're leaning black white, you've got to snap up flesh taker here and just put the put the blinders on. Although one thing that's interesting to note from earlier, also on the wheel that we didn't talk about in pack one, he opened that can't stay away and didn't wheel it which points to at least one other black-white drafter potentially at the table.
1: Yeah, that's fair. That's a, a good thing to point out for sure. So maybe someone you know took that, is going to fight over black-white with him. But remember, he did see the pick five flesh taker, and now we're seeing a second one. So he's going to grab that here. And I think it is sort of blinders on at this point. And this is about, you know, folks ask a lot of times, like when you have a start to a draft like PV does here, like when do you want to start to solidify what you're doing and it's about now right it's early pack two is basically the latest that you want to be deciding what you're doing yeah that makes sense to me so he takes the flesh taker here and i think we're gonna gonna see some blinders and some good news for him in, in pick three he's got options uh vampire interloper siege zombie search party captain and eaten alive all as black white options at common
0: for him. Yeah, right now his only interaction in black white is borrowed time, but he also kind of needs creatures because several of his cards already want him to have creatures to do the thing that they do. So I don't know, a fairly tough choice here, but I think I would land on the eaten alive and trust that I'm going to get there on the sacrifice stuff if
1: black white is actually open. Mm-hmm. And it's also nice that like eaten alive is a sack thing that then can still trigger the flesh takers to give you your scry, etc. So it's, it's still got some synergy there. Um, pack two, pick four, another siege zombie and Olivia's midnight ambush, a clarion cathars. And I was even th- I was I was I in this cathars call. The two in a white aura at Uncommon, Enchanted Creature has Vigilance, and at the beginning of your end step create a 1-1 white human creature token. You know, with two Flesh Takers and now the Eaten Alive and, and the Ecstatic Awakener, he really does want Sack Fodder. And not that I was thinking about taking it here, but I was eyeing it. Uh, it's like, oh, maybe this can wheel for him.
0: Yeah, that would be a fine wheel. I think for this pick, you're deciding between Olivia's Midnight Ambush and Siege Zombie. And mm-hmm. I think Olivia's Midnight Ambush is just too good to pass here over the Siege Zombie.
1: Yeah. And if you're PV right now, you have to feel great. Yes, you had no lane and now you have a lane. Yeah, you, you had no lane. You have a lane and you're getting good cards for that lane. So feeling good here. Pack two, pick five still has some good options, though. Can you believe it, Ben? A third sees the storm in this draft. Wow. <laughs> um, so a little bit of regrets there. Uh, there's a, there's an evolving wilds, but I think you got to land on the morning patrol. Get yourself a disturbed creature here. Yeah, that's really the only card that stands out.
0: Disturbed is definitely good. You want the sacrifice fodder. You want the two bodies. And I think Morning Patrol is one of the more
1: underrated white commons right now in the format. I totally agree. I I mean, it's like it's so funny because I like see it here. I'm like, this feels early for taking it. But only because I just am so used to seeing them like 11th, 12th, 13th, last pick doesn't make any sense to me. Card does
0: work, especially if you get a plus one plus one counter on it. And white has a lot of ways to do that. Just the vigilance. It just does a
1: lot of small things well. Yeah, curving this into the silversmith and then you're facing down two, three, fours, one of which has vigilance. And then if you kill it, it has disturbed like, oh, tough, tough, tough. Um, You know, but rest of the pack rounds out pick six, pick seven. He gets a couple of novice occultists. Again, not a card that I'm like super excited about, but with two flesh takers and an awakener and an eaten alive. This is the sack fodder you want. Yeah. And also pack two, pick seven, a fourth Seize the storm. Oh my god, I'm kind of drooling right now. That's wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's really crazy. Four, four seize the storms. Pick eight. He grabs a flare of faith, combat trick, whatever. No way out. His I think now first way to make zombies decayed tokens. And I gotta say, I think he ends up with two of these. No way out did serious work for the the feature match that we saw from him. Yeah, that was against Ray Sato, right? Mm-hmm, with a sweet he and and he ended up with two of the seize the storms in like a sweet teamer spells deck that just like kind of stumbled and crumbled to the no way out here. Yeah, pack two pick 10. I I, this is one of of the few picks that I don't agree with Paulo. He's presented with a second flare of faith, a blessed defiance and an arrogant outlaw. What do you think about outlaw versus defiance here?
0: I think he needs creatures. So I actually like the arrogant outlaw pick as far as relevant bodies like the novice occultists don't really count as creatures. So he's got morning patrol, flesh taker champion, which is not good right now, bat whisperer, and another Flesh Taker and an Ecstatic Awakener. I think he needs creatures in a bad way right now.
1: All right. All right. Um, that's fair. All right. I walk it back. I don't disagree with this pick. Uh, so he gets the Outlaw, a second Flare of Faith, jack lantern Piffing Needle, and then Otherworldly Gaze. So let's check in again. End of pack two. And he's actually fine on playables. He's at 16, you know, despite the bobbing and weaving. Um, and, and for folks who are looking at this imager link here, uh, the Bat Whisperer that he has is mistakenly in the one drop slot should be in the four drop slot, but the rest of the curve is is right. You know, I, you know he's probably hoping to not play these Flare of Faiths or certainly not hoping to play two. But he's at 16 playables right now, despite, you know, trying to to figure out what he was supposed to do in pack one.
0: Yeah, and I think looking at this, if I'm PB, the biggest thing I need going into pack three, like I just said, is creatures. You've got a couple removal spells in Eaten Alive, Livia's Midnight Ambush, Borrowed Time. You've got the combat tricks locked up. You need creatures and creatures specifically that want to be sacrificed. So cards like Lunark Veteran are going to be a huge priority heading into pack three.
1: Yeah, well, and he also needs zombies because this champion is only thing that makes zombies for him is a no way out. And to, to not have this champion be embarrassing, I think he's going to need a little bit more than that. So let's uh, dive right in here. Pack three, pick one. Boom, baby. We'll sort of we'll, we'll probably speed through this a, a little bit. So we have time for Seth's draft. But he does open Vanquish the Horde. Six white, white for a sorcery. The spell costs one less to cast for each creature on the battlefield. Destroy all creatures. I'm not that jazzed about this, to be honest. I don't love Vanquish the Horde
0: and I don't love it with the cards PV has already. I think if there were a Lunark Veteran in this pack, he would take Lunark Veteran over Vanquish the Horde. I don't. Can you pass Vanquish the Horde in a pod draft? Do you think? I think so, especially because you'll know that you passed it, and it's open mm. deck I don't know,
1: man. I don't love. Hey, I Vanquish guess open. The Horde. De- I guess I guess open deck lists does make it definitely worse yeah well there's nothing there's no other options for him right a blessed defiance and a more behemoth with the other black and white card so he does take the vanquish here uh, and does end up running it uh pack three pick two only white card is hedge witch's mask and then he's got no way out olivia's midnight ambush and ecstatic awakener as options yeah, and you definitely need the Ecstatic Awakener
0: here as another creature. But again, there's a little tension because this is a creature that wants you to have more creatures that
1: PB doesn't have yet. Right. His Sack Fodder currently really is just the two Occultists, right? And I guess the, the Decayed token from No Way Out if he's planning to play that. mm mm-hmm. uh, Pack three, pick three. Uh, this... This I do disagree with. He's got his options are Shady Traveler, Search Party Captain, and then Sunset Revelry at Uncommon. That's the one on a white sorcery. If they have more life than you, you gain four life. If they have more creatures than you, you make two one ones. And if they have more cards in hand, you draw a card. I think you can honestly make a case for any of
0: those three cards. So Shady Traveler gets the day night cycle going for Olivia's Midnight Ambush. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have day night going, Olivia's Midnight Ambush is not that impressive. But I think we need multiple bodies or multiple cards. So I like Sunset Revelry and Search Party Captain a little more. Sunset Revelry has been doing work with a capital W for me in every deck I put it in. It's just always done the thing that I want it to do because it's good in so many different situations. And I think a player of PB's caliber can really maximize a card like this. So I think I would take Sunset
1: Revelry here and be eye on those two tokens that we desperately need. Yeah, that's that's where my money's at, or just the the search party captain for consistency. The only problem is I feel like in PV's deck it's gonna cost four a lot like i don't think he's i don't know maybe maybe you can make a case for like hey no one's ever blocking novice occultist and so you can like in for one and then play it on on turn three or whatever I, I don't like the shady traveler pick here i think this is significantly worse than the two white cards
0: right well and i think there's maybe also a chance you wield a shady traveler it's because it's not hmm. a great card but i, I like
1: sunset rover there yeah and he's starting to get a little cut here right pack three pick four his only options are Hedgewitch's Mask and Blade Brand. and He spends a lot of time reading Ludovic Necrogenius in the rare slot, but can't splash this, Paulo. Um, so he grabs the Blade Brand here, which is, you know, it, it, it's good with decayed stuff if he had it. It's good with the Occultists, whatever. But like, that's not, Pack 3 Pick 4 is not where you're hoping to take a blade brand no 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 pick five a little bit of light here he sees a hobbling zombie so that's nice right it's it's a zombie for his champion it's two bodies it's sack fodder right it dies into something so that's a good pickup yeah and then pack three pick six gets a foul play
0: randomly after seeing no good white or black cards and you're kind of thrilled to see this in one way but on the other hand you're like what the heck can i not get some white and black creatures here so foul plays the uncommon that destroys a creature power two or less and investigates
1: more correct behemoth pick seven, whatever. But it is a, a zombie, a zombie giant. That's a four and a black seven, six menace. And then as an additional cost to cast, either pay one in a black or sack a creature pack three, pick eight. He gets some zombies in the form of Rotten Reunion, single black instant exile up to one target card from a graveyard, create a two, two black zombie creature token with decayed and has flashback one in a black. Honestly, if you had told me like like a couple weeks ago, I think I would have been like, oh, this card is whatever. It's sideboard material. I think looking at PB's deck right now, it just does so many things. Plus, I do think you really want main deck graveyard hate if you can. And I think that plus the fact that he's interested in these two bodies, these two bodies that are zombies. This is a good pickup for him. Oh, yeah. Great pickup. Rotten Reunion is slamming
0: in the main deck right now. One oh, other yeah. card I want to mention just to continue drooling over the Seize the Storm deck that could have been <laughs> Vadrik. The pick before this pack three pick seven, that's the rare one blue red for the one two. If it's neither day nor night, it starts that cycle. And then instance and sorcery spells cost X less to cast, where X is Vadric's power. And then whenever it flip-flops between day and night, you get a plus
1: one plus one counter on Vadric. Could have gone the distance. It could have gone the distance. Yeah. I don't uh I have not seen that card in play yet, but I I'm still thinking that it's good in the red spells deck. Oh, it's very good. Like <laughs> Vadric is really good. Uh pack rounds out, not much. he gets a crossroads candle guide pick nine, uh, then a No Way Out, Ardent Elementalist, Pax Betrayal, Secrets of the Key, and Hedge Witch's Mask. So if we take a look at PB's final deck, he's he's got some stuff I think you'd probably hope to not be running in terms of Crossroads Candle Guide, and two copies of No Way Out, though as I said, No Way Out did some work for him, but I think he just was really hard up for ways to make zombies. But like I said, you know, a couple picks where I, I was like, eh, maybe you should have done this, or like But his card evaluation, just for my money, seemed super spot on.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, for not first picking seize the storm, if you do take that borrowed time, I thought he bobbed and weaved very well through pack one, pick one and tried to find his lane and then did ultimately find a lane in pack two. Unfortunately, you know, they show these graphics uh, during this coverage on worlds. And in pack three, he got so cut because two people ahead of him. So Takahashi passing to him after two packs was pretty solidly in green. But then to his right was uh, Depraz and Stroski, and both of them were white black after pack two and were presumably taking white and black cards ahead of him in pack three. So pretty rough for PB there that like he ended up reading white black was open
1: and then just in pack three got pretty cut. Yeah, for sure. So I guess maybe Stroski ending up with that uh, that black white rare that he opened. But yeah, I, I agree. I, th- I think, you know, when we look at his deck, he's mostly mono black, right? Two flesh takers, borrowed time, morning patrol, vanquish the horde. And two of those cards were cards that he opened. And then, you know, the flesh takers were cards he got late, but those are like, you know, black white, so very specific. So white pretty contested at the table for sure. All right,
0: let's take a look at Seth's draft. This is Seth Manfield, and this is the other uh, featured drafter from a different draft pot. So pack one, pick one, diving into Seth's draft. Really interesting first pick here. Commons in consideration. There's a diagraph horde. And a bait hook angler, I think, is the two standout commons, black and blue, respectively. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's a dual craft trainer, three and a white for the three, three is first strike. And if you have covenant at the beginning of combat on your turn, you can give a creature double strike until end of turn. And then mythic rare, Cigardian savior, three white, white for the three, through flyer. When ETBs, if you cast it, return up to two creature cards with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield.
1: Yeah. Have you played with Sigardian savior before?
0: I have, and I've had it cast against me. And when it
1: hits two two drops, it's pretty backbreaking. I totally agree. It takes some setup, though, I've found. Like, I think it's good, not great. Like, not like mythic status seems a little high for it for me in terms of h- how it impacts limited or what, what you can do with it in limited. But I think, you know, you're looking to be probably either like white, blue or white, green, honestly, so you can get like farmers and hoarders to self mill to fuel the yard right for sure it's kind of crazy
0: that diagraph horde is a similar body and makes two two twos without any work
1: yeah and gets (laughs) exiled two cards from the graveyard how is that fair like i think well i mean maybe not the current state of arena because i think black is still contested and maybe just will be contested for the rest of the format but all things being equal i don't think it's crazy to take horde here especially if seth goes into the draft thinking hey I know blue and black is going to be contested because it's worlds and everybody knows what's up. But I want to I want to fight for black. And especially with a card like Diagraph Horde, that's a reason to fight for black in my mind. Interesting.
0: So I think I would be on Cigardian Savior here over Dual Craft Trainer. It's not even that clear that it's better than Dual Craft Trainer. I've been very impressed with Dual Craft Trainer as well. It's
1: close. Well, but that's the, the thing, right? Well, what about Dual Craft Trainer versus Horde? That feels like for my money, I think Horde is better than Trainer.
0: I think think that is probably true. I don't know. Trainer's
1: pretty oppressive when it gets going. It's a must answer threat. Yeah, but Diagraph Horde is Grave Titan that also exiles two disturb things or flashback <laughs> things. Like it's, it's insane.
0: It really is insane. I think personally, I would land on Cigardian Savior here, pack one, pick
1: one. Where are you at? I think I would too, but I, I, that's partially just like, I don't think I've like had enough experience with the savior myself. I've played against it and seen it be very good when I've played with it myself. It hasn't been that good. Like, I think you have to do, I think to maximize the card, you do have to jump through some hoops. Whereas diagraph horde to maximize the card, you just have to have swamps. And so, Is there any consideration to not wanting to fight over black here? Like,
0: you think, okay, great, I I get to take a white card, so I know I don't have to fight over black. That maybe is another point in Sigardian Savior's favor.
1: Right. I think that's just, what do you want to do, right? It takes me back to, like, when you used to, like, Theros Beyond Death, like, do you want to fight are you gonna fight for black or are you just gonna jump off, right? Do you wanna like it was sort of this game of chicken? And I think you're gonna find a game of chicken in terms of black cards and blue cards at worlds. And so I do think there's merit to saying, hey, I'm just gonna take savior. Maybe I'm taking a hidden power level, but then I don't have to fight over black. Yeah, for sure. But like you pass and diagraph horde, someone's gonna get that horde, maybe play against them, and that card owns your cigardian savior. Yeah, anyway. that's tough. <laughs> All right. So Seth takes the mythic here. And I think it's important to talk about that discussion because not that I think I think Seth has a tough seat, but I do think think this savior kind of like warps his draft in a bad way yes pack one pick two a lot of good
0: options here right yeah definitely great options here for seth so there's Revenge of the Drowned, three and a blue for the instant, uh, put a creature on top or bottom of their owner's library and make a 2-2 decayed a zombie. There's an eccentric farmer, the 2-3 that mills and then rebuys a land. And then moving on to the uncommons, there's a Covetous Castaway, the one and a blue, one three. When it dies, you mill three. And then on the Disturb, you got three blue, blue to flashback a three, four flyer that then can put three cards from your graveyard back into your
1: deck. You know, it's interesting. I, I'm a pretty big fan of Covetous Castaway, but we've talked about, I think, it versus bait hook angler like which is better And it's tough, it's tough because honestly, Covetous Castaway, it's hard for it to die. Like you like it best if in blue white, if it's just like getting to the the yard from like a graph keeper or a a mending or honestly a a shipwreck sifters. Whereas Angler, you're like, hey, I'm gonna drop this thing, trade it off, and then get my little cheap one too. But so I like Covetous Castaway a lot. But again, there's a question of, you know, do you want to fight over blue, etc.? And also a question of is it better than Revenge of the Drowned or even eccentric farmer? And I think the answer is no. And I think I would land on Farmer here. Um, just as like, you know, organ hoarder light in a color that I expect to be less contested.
0: Well, also works well with the Guardian Savior in that it could mill some two drops for you. So it's got that going for it, as well as being the only other green card in the pack. So for me, it's between revenge and eccentric farmer. And thinking through all those things, I actually kind of like the farmer pick here over revenge. Initially, mentally, I was on revenge, but I think I would land on the farmer and Seth agrees and does land on that eccentric farmer as well. Yeah. All right, moving on to pack one, pick three, you see the following cards as options. There's shadow be sighting the four mana for the four four with flashback boom organ hoarder three and blue for the three two that draws you a card and puts the other two into your graveyard after looking at the top three and i think that's really the only two cards in consideration
1: yeah I, when i initially saw this pack when i was doing the coverage i was like oh great he gets a shadow be sighting here to follow up and then i saw the hoarder and i was like oh okay that's that's a reason to draft blue that's a card to, to fight over and you know there's an uncommon and a rare missing not crazy to think that like There are actually two better cards than organ hoarder there, but honestly, it's close. Like organ hoarders up there in terms of overall win rate for the set. Um, But I I like it. So to pick three, you even could consider it a signal and maybe you just go, oh, maybe I get to be blue here. Yeah, for sure. So with Savior, Farmer, and Organ
0: Hoarder heading into pick four, you see the following cards as options. There's Shipwreck Sifters, one and a blue for the one, two, and ETBs, you draw a card, discard a card, and whenever you discard a Spirit or a card with Disturb, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. There's Falcon A-Bomb, the two and a blue, two, two, that brings a two, two decayed Zombie along with it. And then in the uncommon slot, there's Brood Weaver, three and a green for the two, four reach, and when it dies, you make a one, two Spider with reach.
1: Yeah. So you see the Organ Hoarder third, and now you're seeing Abomination... And Shipwreck Sifters. Now, we got to talk about Shipwreck Sifters here, Ben, because I think people are just kind of out of their mind on this card. Shipwreck yes. Sifters is a, is a card I have come way, way, way up on from the uh, initial portion of the set, but it's a blue-white gold card. Like, you want this to be a 2-mana, two 2-3 two, draw card. That's when it's insane, and the only times that it's going to be insane like that is in blue white. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can get it to be insane in like blue X decks where you're just getting hooked up with bait hook anglers, whatever. And you do get to seven disturbed creatures in just your blue green decks. That's going to happen so rarely. And so this card is very, very good. But I think people are not really seeing the forest for the trees or whatever on it.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And it's not even insane in every blue white deck necessarily, if you don't get like a really high count of disturbed cards. And it also plays better with itself. The more shipwreck yes. sifters you have, the better it is. Like you want three, four copies of this card, along with, you know, seven,
1: eight, nine other disturbed cards. And so Seth does have a reason to want to be blue-white, right? He's got guardian Savior and Organ Hoarder. And the Sifters work well with the Savior, right? Because you can they themselves are two drops. They can pitch two drops. You know, there there are ways to get two drops or one drops into your graveyard naturally without just like them dying from combat or whatever. So I, I like it con- conceptually, but I think the power level gap between that and Falcon Abomination is too big on just like a general sense for him to take it here. Well,
0: sure. And Shipwreck Scepters is gold, as you said. So yeah. there's a world where, you know, you're expecting to fight over blue. And then if you get pushed off a of blue, you're also like kind of getting pushed off of white. Like, there's not a world where you can play a deck with six blue cards that has shipwreck sifters in it, you know? But if blue's contested, there is a world where you get to play a deck with six or seven blue cards that include Organ Hoarder and Falcon Abomination. Yeah. Now, you mentioned Broodweaver in the pack. Is that in consideration for you over the Abomination? Uh, I think it's noteworthy along with the Mm eccentric farmer and the organ hoarder, you know, just to turtle up, mill some cards. I think that is a card that blue green is interested in. Um, but after picking up the organ hoarder, I would want to cut the Falcon abomination here. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at too. So for me, it's abomination. Seth decides on shipwreck sifters to go along with that white mythic rare, but I think ultimately that's going to constrict his draft a little more than he would like. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to pack one, pick five, see the following cards as options. There's a storm rider spirit as a spirit to follow up shipwreck sifters. Search Party Captain, three and a white for the 2-2 two two that uh, draws a card when ETBs and costs one less to cast for each creature that attacked. And nothing else, really. Best card in the pack is probably Lunar Frenzy, red X, instant target creature gets plus X plus O, and first strike and trample until end of turn.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, he just he just took the sifters. He wants to be blue-white if possible. Search Party Captain, I think, is the best card in the pack. You could make a case for Frenzy being better, but it's pretty far from where he's at. So I like taking the captain here. Yeah. And then moving on to pack one, pick six. See the following
0: cards as options. There's another Shipwreck, Sifters. There's Gaviny Trapper, white for the O2 Tapper for two mana. Gaviny Silversmith, three and a white for a two three when ETBs put a plus one, plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. And then in the uncommon slot, there's a Dawnheart Wardens, one green, white for the three three Vigilance. Coven, uh, at the beginning of combat on your turn, give all your creatures plus one, plus O until end of turn.
1: Yeah, this is... An interesting pick. I I think I would ultimately land on Don Hart Wardens. This is pick six. And I think that means this is pretty hard signal that green white is not being drafted by most people at the table because this is a pretty darn good card in the deck so there's that plus the fact that silversmith and trapper are on the pack as like all right i'm feeling good about white being open i already feel like yeah i got the organ Ho- hoarder third but like i know blue is going to be something i need to fight over and i'm not seeing it here and wardens feels like a good card to pick up
0: yeah this is a really tough pick seth lands on shipwreck sipters here which i don't like for a couple reasons one I mean, yes, they play well with each other and they go with your mythic rare, but it's also awkward in that if blue white exactly isn't open, you've spent a couple early picks on cards you're really going to have to abandon over cards that would have been much more likely to make your deck and are similarly powerful. So I think you're just kind of unnecessarily crimping your draft here a little bit. I even more than the Dawnheart Wardens would be tempted to take a white card here in Trapper or Silversmith because that still gives you the out of being blue-white, right? Like, you can maybe still play the Organ Hoarder, and if you hadn't taken the Shipwreck Sifters earlier, if your pile is, you know, Sigardian Savior, Organ Hoarder, Falcon Abomination, Search Party Captain, and a Gaviny Trapper or something, you're feeling pretty good about being blue white and or pivoting off of white or blue because all those cards are kind of color pair
1: agnostic and you know w- when you just have like raw power like that you could also start to think about being banned as well and like picking up some jack-o'-lanterns or whatever later um, to be able to fix for some stuff because like you know farmers and hoarders pair well with your mythic etc yeah so a
0: couple tough choices here for seth and he did land on the shipwreck sifters moving into pack one pick seven see the following cards as options there's an unruly mob as the only white card they There's Snarling Wolf and Might of the Old Ways as green cards and Geist Wave as the only blue card.
1: So not great options no matter what you're doing here. Yeah, pretty yikesy. I mean, I'm kind of surprised to see Seth take Might here like he only has eccentric farmer right so i feel like if you're gonna push down blue this hard with the sifters like you should take geist wave here because they do you know you have a bunch of etb stuff yourself right you're happy to pick up in good blue white decks you'd be happy to pick up sifters you'd be happy to pick up stuff that is the back half of disturb you'd be happy to pick up your savior or your organ hoarders um so i think if i'm seth i would take geist wave here um but i'm not sure that i would have like Gone down this exact route, but with what he has, I think I like that pick. I agree completely. Seth
0: did not take geist Wave; he landed on Might of the Old Ways. Potentially, you know, getting worried about the blue and the shipwreck sifters being gold cards for blue, and feeling that maybe green was open a little bit after seeing that Dawnhart Wardens there. Maybe a little bit of regret not picking the Dawnhart Wardens last pick. Yeah, moving on to pick eight, rounding out pack one, he picks up a Timberland Guide. Pick nine wheels defend the Celestis. And worth noting that none of these packs have many Bant cards at all. And specifically blue is really drying up. Pick mm-hmm. 10 grabs a harvest Tide infiltrator as a red card out of a completely empty pack. Pick 11 and 12 gets some tireless haulers. Pick 13 gets a candlelit cavalry. So is chock full of green five drop chonkers at the end of pack one.
1: Yeah, I mean, so the two tireless haulers and the cavalry, like those are fine cards, but they're like the definition of replaceable in my mind. So he's green, right? He like he I guess I like, correctly moved into green with like the might and then the Timberland guide and then wheeling the defend and stuff. But his card quality is really low. If you're looking at those green cards. Yeah, card quality
0: is really low. And Sigardian Savior, the only other white card he's picked up is Search Party Captain to go along with that. So the Sigardian Savior is looking pretty bad at the moment. You know, the things we talked about, you have to do some work and set up to do that. His deck is not doing that at all right now through pack
1: one. He only has one two drop, his Timberland guide. Right. I mean, I guess you could think about him being blue-white still and then having the two sifters, but I don't know. I think he, he kind of had to go like, all right, I'm taking Geist Wave and then I'm taking, you know, the last blue card he saw was Larder Zombie Pick 8, but then he took the Timberland guide over that. And so I think there's a little bit of, all right, maybe like you either got to push down that blue road, like, you know, who knows what would have happened had he taken the Geist Wave into Larder Zombie. Maybe he, you know, sends some slightly better signals left, but you're going to fight over blue and black no matter what.
0: Yes. All right. So moving on to pack two, after just potentially audibling into green, you see the following cards of your Seth. There's a Gale Drifter as the best blue card in the pack, so not a ringing endorsement there. And then white cards, best white card is Odric's Outrider in the uncommon slot, three and a white for a two, four. Whenever it or another creature you control dies, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And then there's also a Contortionist Troop, green X for a zero, zero, and each of with X plus one plus one counters on it. And then Coven at the beginning of your end step, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, put a plus one counter on target creature you control. And then also worth noting, you know, Seth's so pretty deep into green, There's a Graveyard Trespasser that he opens as his rare here. Two and a black for a 3-3 ward. Discard a card. When ETBs are attacks, exile up to one target card from a graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, each opponent loses a life. You gain a life. And then it starts the daybound, nightbound cycle. On the back, it turns into a 4-4 that when it attacks, exiles two things from the opponent's
1: graveyard. Yeah. I mean, you, you can make an argument that Graveyard Trespasser, if he takes it here, is the best card in his pile, right? It definitely is, I think right yeah like i think it's you know currently the best card in his pile i think is organ hoarder maybe you think it's maybe one could say it's a guardian savior i I would not i would say hoarder's better than that and then if you take trespasser trespasser is pretty darn good right i i think the more and more i play this format the more incidental graveyard exile and mean, we just saw like we were excited for pv to have rotten reunion in his deck the incidental exile and repeatable ways to do it at that attached to a card that like you know if your opponent has to kill it they're you're they're two for one in themselves i think you could make a case for taking it and then you just go fingers crossed black is open from the left because you know past the pack one pick one horde you didn't pass any black
0: right so i think you could do that i don't know that i would i think i would ultimately land on contortionist troop here with the
1: way Seth navigated this draft so far but why are you but why are you green your green cards are except for farmer are all bad
0: sure you're you're green because the blue didn't work out with the shipwreck sifters i mean you're green through unhappy circumstances
1: so why not take a black card here why not take the best card here i don't know Do you You think it's too late Do you think you're not gonna make playables if you do that
0: i would be nervous at the world championship (laughs) to do something like that yeah
1: yeah i mean i i get taking the troop here but i feel like you're you're choosing to be green here and like i said i think seth has a really tough seat i don't know what you're supposed to do here But I think you're choosing to be green because a bunch of medium replaceable green cards wield. And I don't think that's what you want to be doing. Well, you're also
0: choosing to be green because you took the two shipwreck sifters and it didn't pan out. So then like you have to find something to pair with your white cards. And it seems like, okay, green is the thing to do with that, that I can audible out of these two bad shipwreck sifter picks, you know? And then so contortionist troop is solidifying, you into that thing. Okay, now I have a plan. You know what I mean?
1: Like, it's Mm -hmm. not a bad pick to take contortionist troop here no it's not bad i don't think so but i I think it's worth talking about the trespasser
0: for sure for sure so seth does land on contortionist troop here pack two pick one moving on to pack two pick two sees the following cards as options there's a shadow beast sighting an olivia's midnight ambush and a burn the accursed at common uncommon there's another odrix outrider as well as mythic rare bloodthirst adversary it's one in a red for the 2-2 haste and etbs you can pay two and a red any number of times and when you pay this cost one or more times it gets that many plus one plus one counters and then you exile up to that many instant or sorcery cards with mana value three or less from your graveyard and copy them and you can cast those copies without paying their mana costs
1: yeah i mean i think if he's not taking he's not taking the black card last pack he can't take a red card this pack right like the black card was better anyway um so i think he's probably just sticking to green at this point and shadow be sighting is fine though his curve is looking a little chonky at this point.
0: Right. Well, and there is an argument for bloodthirsty adversary here in that I think like you're waffling, right? And white has not felt particularly open. You got pushed off a of blue You're getting past this red card. I mean, you don't really want to draft red green, but you also know that probably nobody else is drafting red green. So I don't think it's crazy to think about taking the bloodthirst adversary here with as deep as you are into green and having pushed off those other colors.
1: Yeah, well, I think there's two other things to consider. One is that there's a Keswick naturalist right next to it, right? That's the red green werewolf uncommon. And so if you do think no one's drafting red green at the table, which is pretty you know, a good assumption to make, you could wheel that and that's not a bad card, right? Werewolves is a bad deck, but naturalist is not a bad card. But the problem is, is that like, adversary is not going to be very good in red green. Like, you know, I guess you you assume that red will be open and then you just do get the spells for it. And maybe you get the combat tricks and maybe it's recasting
0: a combat trick or something. I don't know. I think it's worth entertaining, especially with a Kessig naturalist right next to it.
1: All right. I don't hate that. I don't hate taking the adversary here and thinking about wheeling naturalist. Because I don't want to be white right now. It's a color that is fine, but if it's contested, it's going to be tough. We're right. And white is best with other white cards, right? The white decks want a critical mass of the small white aggressive threats. Well, and, and the two best white decks are the decks that pair with the two colors you assume will be contested at the table as well. Yes. So... Pack two, pick two here after lots of discussion, but I think interesting (laughs) discussion.
0: Uh, Seth does take Beast sighting over Bloodthirst Adversary and Kessig Naturalist to further solidify himself into green. Moving on to pack two, pick three. Fairly empty pack. The only card really in consideration if you're thinking about yourself as white green is Lunark Veteran. And then other interesting cards in the pack, Olivia's Midnight Ambush and Burn the Accursed in colors that Seth is not.
1: Yeah, so he takes the Lunark Veteran here and I think this just tells us We know what color pair he thinks he is, which is just so awkward going back to pack one pick six, where he passed Don Hartwarden. So potentially put someone near him to his left into white green with that card and then may end up getting cut on that color pair here from the left.
0: Yeah, but if he did read it right at the end of pack one in pack three could be expecting to get hooked up in green and white. For sure. So moving on to pack four, see the following cards as options. There's Homestead Courage, a Flare of Faith and a Candle Trap as white cards to consider and no green cards in the pack other than a green, black, gold uncommon in Diagraph Rebirth that lets you return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield.
1: Yeah, I'm a fan of Candle Trap, Ben. I'm not afraid to say it. I think you just don't <laughs> think about it like a one mana removal spell. Think about it like a four mana kill spell in the mid to late game and you'll be fine. And this is a fine pickup for him here. Like, it's not like I don't think he should be drafting white. But if you're going to draft white, I don't think Candle Trap is going to be bad in his deck.
0: Yeah, I like the Candle Trap pickup as well. Needs some interaction because that is sorely lacking right now in his green and white pile. And I think that card's going to do work for him. Right. That's his first removal spell. Yep. Moving on to pack two, pick five. Yikes. No white cards in the pack. Uh, There's a Neonates Rush as a good red common. There's a Hobbling Zombie as a good black common bird Admirer as the only really green common in consideration that's the 2g1 4 reach that turns into a 3-5
1: and then corpse cobble but super way far away from blue black here for seth yeah i mean bird Admirer is a, again a card i like because it stops you from dying to disturb decks but i don't want to play a three mana 1-4 in my aggro decks and that's what you want your green white deck to be so i mean he takes it here but you can't be happy and you know it's so interesting i was like I hadn't considered the red green option here with the adversary, especially next to the naturalist. And he really could have gotten like you go adversary into Burn the Accursed, into Electric Revelation, into Neonates Rush, Neonates Rush, Harrier Immolation. I think that's what he's supposed to do. I agree. That's why I pointed it out. (laughs) Well, you're a very smart man, and I'm happy to be doing a podcast with you.
0: (laughs) So... He does take that bird admirer pack two pick six. You see the following cards as options. He's got some choices here. There's unruly mob, there's pestilent wolf, as well as bounding wolf. So a lot of fillerish type cards. Um, what do you like between those three?
1: You have to take pestilent wolf. I don't like unruly mob. It's very bad. Pestilent wolf. You have to take one. You are you are sorely in need of two drops, not only for like the actual composition of your deck, but also for your Sigardian savior. Yeah, I, I Seth lands on
0: bounding wolf here as the tuna green three two flash reach um but i agree i like the pestilent wolf better for all the reasons you named we want to lower our curve a little bit as well as have a two drop for our mythic rare so rounding out this pack uh pick two pick seven grabs a ritual guardian pack two pick eight gets a howl of the hunt pack two pick nine blessed defiance fine combat
1: trick burn the accursed wield yeah Burn the Icarus Wheel, pick nine, and then pick 10, the Naturalist Wheels. Yeah, so it really feels like that might have been a viable option for Seth. Yeah, Unnatural Moonrise Wheels, Electric Revelation Wheels. Yeah. Wow, I did not see that the first time I looked through this draft, or the many times when I was typing out every single card. I didn't really (laughs) notice that in this draft.
0: Yeah, so, and then pick 10, over that Naturalist takes a return to nature for the sideboard, gets a Might of the Old Ways, pick 11 as a combat trick. Pick 12, Crossroads Candle Guide, maybe some Graveyard Hate out of the board there. So at the end of pack two, if we look at Seth's deck, he's firmly in green white with a pretty rough curve. So only one drop creature is Lunark Veteran. Only two drop creature is Timberland Guide. And then three drops has a lot of filler and an eccentric farmer and then some reasonable top end. So if you're Seth, what are you thinking heading into pack three here? What do you need?
1: I need a miracle, right? Like He needs a lot of stuff. He needs to lower his curve, but he also needs power. Like it's a, it's real tension. Like if you had the good top end, you could just be like, all right, cool. All I need to do is take two drops, but he not only needs two drops. He needs interaction still because he's got just candle trap as removal, plus a bunch of combat tricks, but he's got like a bunch of chunky, clunky top end as well. And so it's also like, I don't have the power but I also need to like take a hidden power to get good two drops. So you just need like mythic rare two drops, basically. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think a lot of
0: two drops and removal. Two drops and removal is what I'd be eyeing if I were Seth. Yeah. All right. So let's see what it gets. Pack three, pick one, see the following cards as options. There's a Timberland Guide as a two drop. Eccentric Farmer as just a good green card in general. And then moving on to the Uncommons there's a dual craft trainer three and a white for the three through with first strike at the beginning of
1: combat on your turn you can give something double strike if you've got coven yeah i think i would take eccentric farmer here personally just because it's it's raw power and like synergizes with the savior theoretically um not like he and i guess you know he's got lunark veteran he would like to get more of those so it like synergizes with disturb too i don't know i mean trainer is good but like another four drop can you really do that i think so dual craft trainer is
0: very good. It's a card I'm terrified of when my green-white opponent plays it on turn four. And I don't think Seth is maximizing it, but I think if you're Seth and you assume that you get the two drops this pack, which is what you have to assume, then I think dual craft trainer is gonna be great for you.
1: All right. I I, I stand by taking Farmer here myself. Okay. Seth does
0: nab the dual craft trainer, and moving on to pack three, pick two. Gets a Hound Tamer over nothing, essentially, which is a great Mm -hmm. pickup for him, except he really does still want those two drops. That's two and a green for the three, three that you can pay four to put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. And then on the backside flips into a four, four that gives all your wolves trample pack three, pick three, welcome sight gets a harvest tide sentry out of another completely empty pack for him other than the harvest tide sentry. But that is definitely the type of card he's interested in one and a green for the three, one coven. If you've got that, it can't be blocked by creatures power two or less. Yeah, great pickup here. He would like to get like four more of those and he'd feel better. Moving on to pack three, pick four. Kind of an interesting choice here. There's Search Party Captain again, three and a white for the 2 2 when it ETBs you draw a card versus Cathar Commando as another two drop. Is there any world here where you're Seth and
1: you're desperate enough for two drops that you're going to take a Cathar Commando over Search Party Captain? Yes, the world is the draft at worlds. This draft right now, that's the world where he takes Cathar Commando.
0: Yeah, and I think you could also consider there's a duel for dominance in the pack as well, the instant speed fight spell. So both Cathar Commando, I think, and duel for dominance are more important right now for Seth than the Search Party Captain in my mind. Well, because Search Party Captain, what does Search Party Captain need
1: to be good? <laughs> it needs twos, and we are sorely lacking in twos. And his Sigardian Savior needs twos. Like with like he's effectively has a five-mana three-three flyer that has pulled him into white at this point because of his lack of two drops. Yes. It's a big problem. Big problem. So moving on to pack three, pick five.
0: Sees the following cards as options. There's a Shadow Beast sighting and a welcome sight, a Dawnheart mentor here. Three drop, oh four. 4 when ETBs, you make a 1-1 one, one human token. And then Coven, you can pay six mana to give a creature plus three plus three and trample.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is probably... The best non-rare, I mean, maybe borrowed time or whatever, the best non-rare for green white, I would say. This card is fantastic and it's a great pickup for him, except it's not not a two drop.
0: Moving on to pack three pick six, he grabs a soul guide Griff over a sunset revelry and an unruly mob. I personally might have taken sunset revelry there just to get the curve a little lower and to get some bodies on the battlefield. Yeah, I agree with that. And then moving on to pack three, pick seven, he does get a two drop in Cathar Commando over a Morning Patrol, which I think is correct for Seth. And then pick eight, picks up a Bird Admirer out of an empty pack. Pick three, pick nine, pack three, pick
1: nine, he wheels that eccentric farmer, which is kind of absurd at a world's draft. It's absurd. And it also makes me think like we're, I, we're they're just not good green cards opened. It's possible. Eccentric Farmer wheeling in pack three makes me think like green is open. Like and as he saw at the end of, you know, he got a bunch of junkie cards, but they were green cards. I just think he maybe got kind of unlucky in terms of not good green stuff being opened at the table. Yeah, that's
0: definitely possible. Pick 10. He grabs a Dawnheart Rejuvenator. That's the two four that taps for man of any color and gains you three. Pick 11 Snarling Wolf, Tapping Window, Neonates Rush, which doesn't make sense to me over a sideboard plummet here why would you not take plummet for your sideboard
1: i don't know maybe he thought like he had a bunch of x ones or whatever that like the Nenates rush was going to wreck but yeah I, I don't know and then pick 14 there's a tapping at the window yeah so if we take a look at his final build it's it's not a very pretty sight and and i have a just a few like i will say criticisms of how he built this on the sidelines he's got He's choosing to play a second might of the old ways over a blessed defiance in his deck, which I don't think I agree with. Um, He's not playing candle trap, which means he just has stone no removal in the main deck. And he's running 16 lands, which I get is tempting with the two farmers. But with this high of a curve and like with stuff like contortionist troop, I don't know. I, I would be... I would be like not looking to shave lands. I think in a deck like this, yeah, I agree completely. I think you definitely want to run
0: seventeen lands. The curve's too high to not run at least seventeen lands. Yeah, and he's playing an, he's playing unruly
1: mob in the main. Also, I don't like that.
0: it probably just needs those two drops. And I mean, it's not a great two drop certainly, but is at least another card that Savior could potentially get back. Yeah, it is.
1: It is a Magic the Gathering card. It's legal to play.
0: So if we look at Seth's draft, I, I just want to make sure that it doesn't come across that we're dunking on Seth too hard. I think Seth had. A really hard seat, right? I agree. But in addition to a really hard seat, I think he made some suboptimal decisions that compounded the difficulty of his seat. Would you say that's a fair way to state that? I agree.
1: Like, you know, the it's not like I don't end up taking blue cards in his spot, right? I take Falcon Abomination over the first sifter. Like the real pick I don't agree with is the second sifter. And I probably take the wardens there anyway. And that maybe pushes me into green white unnecessarily. You know, you said maybe you would just take the trapper there instead. And then he doesn't have like really good options, and he does get that heavy-ish green signal at the end of pack one. I just think you want in those spots, you want to evaluate like why am I why am I drafting a certain color, right? Like, so you think about I took a Guardian Savior. Why am I drafting white? Well, I'm drafting white to maximize this, so I need to take two drops. I did I feel like he didn't quite do that enough, and also hung on to a card that has setup cost for a color that you maybe didn't want to hang on to for. And I I think missed out on. I think the deck he's supposed to draft is a green red, maybe, and it's not like spells or whatever, but it's green red, just like good cards. And he does see green red, good cards in pack two,
0: right? And so if you look at these graphics that they showed, where you you know can kind of see what everybody is drafting after pack one, Hushinbeth, who is two seats to Seth Manfield's left, is drafting green white, which explains why pack two maybe didn't go so great for Seth. But there's nobody else at the table drafting green other than those two people, and then uh, Sato is the only red drafter at the table until Hushinbeth moves in in pack three for a burn down the house that he opened. So I think there's a world where that pivot into red potentially could have worked out for Seth. But there were a lot of white drafters at the table early on in the draft. Five people
1: were drafting white after pack two. Wow. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, I think white is good and and deep, but I don't don't think it can support five people certainly can't support five people and
0: especially not when you're seth and you need such specific premium two drops to support your mythic rare because the two drops are what everybody's going to want in white because white's such an aggressive color yeah for sure
1: can can i say how how incredibly thankful i am to get to review some high level drafts on the podcast again amen it's so good it's so cool yeah these are really really fun more of this please watsi any other final parting thoughts here before we head out nah nah that was just that was fun to do and yeah i don't want to say like who, who are we to be dunking on a, a player of seth manfield's character i just think like that draft is interesting and difficult and there were a lot of like i think tough decision points for him
0: for sure all right great place to wrap us up thank you as
1: always to salty pretzels for your intro and outro music make sure to give it a listen Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases or signing up for CFB Pro, please use the code LOL when you check out to let them know we sent you there. If
0: you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com.
1: Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.